0: You are listening to Mining Stock Education. I'm Bill Powers. Thanks for tuning in. And as we approach the new year, you're in for a treat in today's show as you're going to hear from an exemplary uh, private retail sophisticated mining speculator. Uh, If you're an avid listener of this show, you'll remember an interview I did several months ago with Tommy Humphreys, the founder and owner of CEO.ca. And in that interview, he told me I needed to interview my guest today because he is such a great, private retail mining speculator i'm speaking today to luke ten have he's based out of holland yet yeah, he speculates in mining uh, throughout the world in a bunch of different markets in toronto the states i would assume frankfurt as well so luke welcome back on welcome onto the show i should say for the first time
1: yeah sure thank you yeah well, it's uh it's a pleasure
0: Well, I hope you're going to be an inspiration to my audience, and I know you will because you come highly recommended. So let's start with your background. How did you find your way into mining stock speculation?
1: Um, Well, I think the the reason that I looked into this business is really um, the fact that Willem Middelkoop, who is a a fund manager, is pretty vocal about this industry. Um, And he is Dutch as well. And I think one of the biggest bulls from the Netherlands in this business. Uh, I mean, he had this uh, fund, this gold, uh, he sold gold uh, bars, and but then sold that business and then um, started a, a commodity discovery fund. And in 2012, I think, or 2011, uh, I followed a number of his interviews and um, I was already investing, but it attracted me because of the high risk, but also high reward profile. And I was already a high risk taker up to that point. And that's why I looked into the mining space and it it took me a number of years to really understand it and to get better at it. But I think 2011, 2012 was when I started in this uh, specific sector.
0: I interview um, Warren Irwin, who's also a fund manager. And after the first interview, when I interviewed him at PDAC several years ago, he told me, Bill, you won't know what you're doing until you're 10 years into speculating in mining stocks. Uh, Would you agree with that? And do you think you're approaching that learning curve to where you finally know what you're doing?
1: Yeah, I agree. I think um, I already made a lot of mistakes before that, and maybe even riskier things. So I think I had a little bit of a head start. I was trading, maybe call it gambling, in OTC, pink-listed stocks, uh, without any story uh, that was really close to gambling. And, I mean, there are a couple of similarities there as well. I mean, you have a lot of scams. You have to be careful. Um, so I think a couple of those years I already had behind me when I uh, started in 2011, 2012 in the mining business. And for sure, you need a couple of years uh, to really become good at it, understand things, um, I mean, you you need to know a couple of things of this industry, a lot of things. Uh, otherwise, you will always be the loser at the end of the day, always. Uh, so it's very important to know a lot, uh, know a lot of people, know know how the business works, which possibilities insiders may have that you don't have, or um, sophisticated investors have that you may not have, and you need to really understand the full spectrum, indeed, to to make money in this business. But I think it's very doable. And I think it also shows that quite a lot of people, even without a mining background, became pretty wealthy in this business. And I think everybody can do it if you're really motivated uh,
0: to do it. So what's your key to success? How do you increase your odds of success as just uh, an individual private investor in this sector?
1: Yeah, that's the difficult part, I think. When you are private, uh, especially when you are a small investor, you are not very interesting to the to the companies initially, I think. Even though this, this industry is very open to retail investors because they need a lot of money and they need people to invest in their stocks. But still, as a retail investor, you need to get... get it's difficult to compete with the bigger investors because they will always have an information advantage. And how, how I tackled that in the beginning is just reading every news, news release about just understanding every simple, single company and how Tommy described it, I think, in an interview before as well, is just understanding the landscape, the people, the companies. Uh, why do some co- people work with warrants? Why do other people not, not work with warrants? Uh, why do people use certain strategies, uh, like Eric Sprott is just going all in and he seems to never sell? Is that the right way to go? Uh, I mean, there are so many ways. I mean, you really need to understand all the strategies and all the different aspects of this business and read a lot, really uh, read a lot, and then if you're really determined and you have fun at it because I have a lot of fun doing it. if you only do it to make money, you will never succeed I think uh, you need to have fun and I think it's also critical to meet people so in 2015 and 2016 I started going to Canada and also meet people that I have been calling uh, the prior years and that's also a key to success you you really need to get the full spectrum and then you get slowly get better and better. And you will not make as many mistakes anymore as in the beginning.
0: Luke, I've often got the critique from friends when I tell them I delve in mining stocks that, oh, Bill, you're just gambling. What you're doing is no different than gambling. What do you say to friends that might say that to you? What's the difference between speculation and gambling?
1: Yeah, in this business, it's it's very close, I think. Sometimes it's very close. Um if you just take a random drill play, uh, I mean, almost every story sounds good. To be honest, if you go to a presentation in Toronto and Vancouver, and you listen to the story, it's always interesting. There was always this old mine, uh, but somebody overlooked something, and now this team had a brilliant people, a br- brilliant guy on board, and he saw something, and now they will drill it, and, um, and now they really understand the the shape of the um, mineralization or the or the controls or whatever. And you always hear the story. You never know, is this real or is this just another promotion? Um, so I think you have to be very careful. And that's where the people uh, part comes in. I mean, you need, you cannot always only invest with Ross Beattie, I think, because if you want to make some money and you are not in a circle and, and you get his uh, placement uh, seat round, let's say, then you often pay a lot of money for those companies. Uh, but it's a, maybe it's a relatively safe bet. But if you also want to make a 10 bagger, 20 bagger type potential, or you might want to make those returns, then you need to go uh, a little bit lower into the food chain, still people that are trustable, do good work, understand the business as well, and then get to know them very well, I think. You need to get to know them very well, really understand what they are doing, and and, and try to think like, what they are doing, is this going to work? And of course, you never know you will hit this big gold discovery. But even I try to invest in a way like even if they don't make the big discovery, will that be end of story? Will I have lost all my money, or will I still have 70 or 60 percent at that point? Uh, because that's acceptable, I think. If you are going for 10 baggers, you cannot do it without having without losing 30 or 40 percent, or maybe everything. But I think with the right people, you will not lose everything, you you will lose 30 percent, 40 percent. And you may start over with a new project and, um, and try it again. So I think it, it is sometimes close to gambling. But if, if you are really well informed, if you really knew, know the people behind the company, and, and even the, the investors of the company and the, the newsletter writers, are, are they involved or not? So you know, what is driving the, the share price? What is driving the retail investors to, to jump into it? Um, I think if you are informed enough, you are not gambling anymore. And then you can call it speculating. You can call it maybe investing. Uh, I don't really care which term to use, but I would then choose, I think, speculating.
0: Yeah. Luke, so you're about 10 years into your mining stock speculation journey. So at this point, for a new position that you take, would it be something that you discover on your own or somebody in your network that you've now developed introducing you to the story?
1: Yeah, exactly. Those two things. Um, I prefer to find it myself because that gives me for some reason, more um, conviction or reason to investigate it a lot. Because if I feel that I'm the first one to find it, probably not the first one because there are always other people close to the company. But if I'm one of the few that really understands it, you're all already in a better position than all the other people. I like the, the situation where the company is really doing the right things but in a very early stage. Or the, or the rest of the market is not informed yet because this company... Uh, it's not a, a typical presenter at all the conferences or this company, for whatever reason, the market didn't pick up on it yet. And then you have an opportunity to buy something that when the market knows, only by that fact, you don't even need the good news yet. But only if the market starts finding out about it, that already gives you that first move. So I try to be earlier than, the, than other people, or I like it as well when people introduce me, but then it needs to be something special. Um, and I always wonder as well why can I introduce to these things? Is it because they really want me, or is it because they need backholders? Or you always have to wonder why do, do people ask you for a certain financing? And I have a good broker, and he brought me a couple of very good investments. And um, I would not have invested in those companies without a broker. So in this case, uh, I also profit from deals that come from other people. Uh, but it depends who is recommending it, and um, and the third option. Let's say an uh, investment that comes through a newsletter writer. That's not my preference because I know that I hear it together with one hundred or five hundred other people, and it may be a very good uh, company. But then, I am not as convinced. To I mean, it's it's already so distributed. Then it needs to be a very good story to uh, for me to invest in it.
0: OreFinders Resources is exploring for and developing high-grade gold assets in the prolific Abitibi greenstone Belt of Ontario and Quebec, which has seen over 50 million ounces of historic gold production. Billionaire mining financier Eric Sprott is a strong backer of OreFinders, and insiders own 15% of the company. Listen to CEO Stephen Stewart. We are in this to make a discovery. Uh, we are in this to sell this company and uh, make money just like the rest of our shareholders do. And now it's all about putting the money into the ground and looking for that billion dollar drill hole that we seek. OreFinders trades under ORX in Toronto and under the ticker ORFDF on the OTC. To learn more, go to orefinders.ca. That's orefinders.ca. Is the majority of your portfolio in early stage explorers?
1: Not necessarily, but sometimes you find things that are uh, further advanced and still under the radar. For different reasons. Sometimes people want to see um, rising share prices. I like it, everybody likes it. And Some companies have difficulties doing that and because the company is doing a lot of good work but the structure somehow prevents it from from going up. Maybe they invited the wrong shareholders or um, maybe they invited a number of flow-through funds and, and they participated in these uh, placement rounds And they always sell after four months. You constantly are fighting against your own shareholders because they are selling after four months because of tax reasons. Uh, So you always want to to know why people are selling. But there are certainly companies around that are very, very undervalued. But people gave up because it's going sideways for a long time. And that's not what people want to see. But people want to see rising share prices. And that's... um, So sometimes it's... um, Possible to be already pretty close to a study or pretty close to mining without the market noticing.
0: Do you ever invest in a producer?
1: Sometimes, not, always, not, not very often, but sometimes, yeah. I recently invested in, uh, it's not, a promo- not, not promoted, not to recommend it, but in a company, Magna Gold. Uh, that gold mine had quite some history. Uh, people will be like, oh, they had a difficult time in their previous uh, vehicle. But I think there's a good group running it now. Um, they started at a pretty low valuation. And they're climbing that wall of worry slowly. Uh, but I think they are doing good work. And um, they are buying other smaller assets. And I think they, they do something great. But the market doesn't believe it yet. Because the previous company didn't really do a good, good job, I think. And that's why there's a lot of skepticism on this company. So every now and then, uh, I buy these uh, producers as well. Yeah.
0: And Luke, for your new positions that you initiate, what percentage would be bought in the open market and what percentage would be coming through a private placement?
1: It's difficult to say in percentages. I I think I still buy more in the market um, because what I don't really like is with most of these exploration companies, they issue a warrant and after four months, everybody just jumps out and sits on the warrant. And yeah, that's a strategy, but it's not one I that I really like because you sort of kept the the share price. Uh, not always. again, I also had some good successes with this, but um, in most cases, companies are just stuck at the warrant exercise price. Uh, that's why I invest more in the market uh, with companies that are financing without warrants or are simply not doing a financing because there's no no financing needed. Um, so I think, I don't know the percentage, but I would say 25% placements, 75 in the market.
0: Okay. What role does macro analysis play in your approach? You know, when you're looking at the economic financial system in whatever country you're investing in or the world or the underlying commodity that a specific company is exploring for or developing, discuss this, please.
1: Yeah, I am not a, um, you have to be, you have to know where what, what uh, your skills are and what your, um, and the things that you don't know anything about. And macro is really... I mean, I know the, the basic things. Everybody knows. But I i do not really see... I don't have an edge, let's put it like this, uh, macro-wise. So I do follow a couple of people on Twitter to get some ideas. I prefer to, to follow people that have a completely different opinion. Because then I hear it, the both sides of it. Uh, this year, I've been following, probably like many, David Hunter. Uh, he has been pretty right this year. Um, but of course... His luck may also end one day, so I'm not going blindly uh, behind his pick, behind his forecasts. Um, but I do follow a little bit of macro. I feel, uh, it's, it's partly gut feeling, it's partly what I read. Um, it, like in February, I felt I really felt that there was a risky period coming because the PDA curse would probably come again. But then I saw all this news about Corona in China, and it didn't feel good. So I sold quite a lot of positions in February, and I even went into Put options. Never done this before in my life. And that was the best timing I ever had because that protected my complete portfolio. I even made some money in March. And with all that cash, I, re- I reinvested it in the junior miners. So that's, uh, the timing was everything, uh, but very lucky. And from a gut feeling point of view, I think we are at a point again where it will either crash or it will go parabolic before we crash. Uh, that's what I feel. But again, I am not a expert here so i do follow it i do think about it and i do talk about it with people Uh, but it is i try to focus and really invest in the right companies and only every now and then when i feel it gets risky lighten up on my positions a little bit and have a little bit more cash in the portfolio if things go wrong but if the if it gets hit then i certainly have too many stocks uh, still and i will i will also be one of the people that will feel a lot of pain if it really starts crashing like 2008.
0: So Luke, on that note, when you entered in 2011, 2012, that was near the top of the precious metals cycle at that time. So how did you navigate the bear market from 13, 14, 15? Was it just a learning experience or did you make any money?
1: Yeah, it was for sure a learning experience. Um, I think everybody has a different experience. If you start when there was a bull market, you have a different perception than when you start in the bear market, and that's why I may I sell too too early sometimes. Still, I still do. Um, it's so, sort of in your system when you have three or four or five times, five years in a row, that every time you see your stock go up, it comes back down again. So at some point you get used to let's just sell, let's just sell. And even in 2016, when we had a really good year, I started selling in February, March, because I thought, okay, this is gonna be over soon. And that made 2016 a good year for me, but not great. Uh, 18 and 19 were much better for me, and 17 as well, I think. Uh, so the years, 13, 14 were difficult, uh, but I had a couple of good successes as well. Uh, a couple of I, I took some really big risks by buying uh, really stressed producers. That just survived and made a little bit of money there. So I didn't really lose a lot of money in those years, um, if I look back. Not enough to really be stressed. So I I had enough courage to move on. And then in 2015, I felt like things are ridiculously cheap. But of course, it's the first time in the cycle for me. And uh, I don't know how long these things can take. So, I had a list of companies and uh, a really good list of companies. I have this Excel sheet still. Sometimes I look at it and I think everybody would buy these things immediately right now because they are so cheap. But when you're in it, it's much more difficult. Like, when will it turn? You know, will it take another two, three years? Um, so, I, I learned a lot and I was not perfectly set up for 2016 because I sold too early. But I think in 2017, 18, 19, I did better because I had experiences now this this really this year like 2016 when everything just goes up and up and up and it doesn't end almost and 12 to 15 where everything is just constantly in crash mode so to say so i have seen a couple of different scenarios but i think other people that are 20 or 30 years in this business i mean they have even more experience and they are maybe even more comfortable uh with any situation
0: What's your expectation for your exit strategy for this upcycle in the precious metal junior stocks? Could you share a little bit about how you're going to play it?
1: Yeah, I, I do not have I do not have a really good plan in place. I think, um, if I'm really honest, I have I, I try to always be a bit protected. So, like right now, I have a couple of put options there. I'm not an expert in options either, so most people will tell me you should not buy options; you should sell them. That's much uh, better. But I bought a couple of options. Um, Just if things go wrong in the next two or three weeks, then it will help me a little bit. And I will keep on doing that every month and just see it as an insurance premium that I pay every month uh, to buy a a couple of new options. And I accept the loss. I can just live with it. And the other side, I want to have a little bit more cash in my portfolio um, compared to other months or other years. Uh, But I also want to be invested because I also think there's a likelihood of another. strong six months or 12 months. Uh, Nobody knows how long this may take and who knows that we will get another nice year for the precious metals equities. So I'm invested and I hope it goes up, but I have a little bit of protection in place.
0: Other than the precious metal juniors, are there any other commodities, junior mine, copper, zinc, uh, that you're investing in right now?
1: Yeah, copper and zinc as well, but it needs to be something that I know better than the rest or it needs to be, very good. Um, I think Adriatic Metals is is a company that is maybe seen as a silver company, maybe seen as a zinc company. That's just a, a deposit that's so good that it will work, unless there is a red flag that I don't know about. Um, and I think with zinc, I try to do it like that. I want to be in the best deposits, the best discoveries, or something special, something that is simply too cheap, or maybe another opportunity that presents itself. But there are so many different opportunities that you, you can never say like only in this case or only in that case. Uh, I bought a zinc company in 2015 in, in the UK for 1 million pounds market cap. I uh, took a really big position because they didn't only have a zinc project. They also had a manganese project and they had another zinc project and they had a royalty on the Delradian mine, Delradian project. And in my mind, that, that royalty was worth at least 20, 25 million. And I was paying $1 million because everybody looked at the company as a pure zinc company. And I bought it for the royalty, but, but all the other assets would, would uh, sort of help me a little bit if uh, things would go wrong. And ultimately, that royalty was sold for, I think, $25 million Canadian. And um, also, the, the zinc assets are now still being developed. So that became almost a 10-bagger, even though it was just a, a zinc plate that never, nobody liked. But the royalty kicked it, and then they basically separated three different companies. Now we have one zinc company, one manganese company, and one zinc exploration company. That's just an extra bonus on top of the royalty sale. So sometimes there are just opportunities uh, that I'm not looking for these opportunities at the moment, but they may just present themselves, and then it could be uh, well worth
0: it. Goldterra Resource Corp is a gold exploration company that has assembled a highly prospective district scale land position on the doorstep of the City of Yellowknife in Canada's Northwest Territories. Goldterra is currently focused on expanding and delineating gold resources at the company's Yellowknife City Gold Project with a goal of discovering over 5 million ounces. With ready access to infrastructure and multiple high-grade gold discoveries, Goldterra is on track to re-establishing Yellowknife as one of the premier gold mining districts in Canada. Goldterra Trades as YGT in Toronto and YGTFF on the OTC. For more information, go to GoldTerraCorp.com. That's GoldTerraCorp.com. But that opportunity is a result of your independent thinking and due diligence to where you're able to analyze the company for yourself. And so that's a payoff for you. But in my experience, as I've observed friends in this sector, when they do a lot of due diligence and they really get to know the management, like the management, feel like they have an understanding of a particular asset more than other speculators. It seems like there's an emotional attachment that can occur there too, to where you may not sell when you need to sell. Any insights you could share here?
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that's also, I have a couple of those companies where I, I don't think I would sell it, but I would maybe consider lightening up a little bit. Uh, But because I, like the team so much and i got to know them so well that indeed you are more tempted to uh, hang on to your shares uh, but it also helps i mean they will not give you insider information at least the people i talk to um but if you know them very well and you know what their um how they talk when things are just normal and you also sometimes sense like hey there's something here he, si- he seems to be excited about something or um you know, sometimes you can, if if you know people, they don't necessarily have to tell you something. But if you talk to them often enough, you get a sense that like, hmm, something is going in the right direction. And one example is Azimut, Azimut, Reso- Azimut Exploration. Um, I mean, that company would never give me any inside information because they are probably one of the most strict. I mean, they would not even promote their own project. So uh, let alone tell me things that they cannot tell me. But still, talking to them for many, many years, um, knowing all the different projects that they went through, in 2019 they found they found um, the Elmer, or they acquired Elmer, I think, and they did all all kind of surface work and tren- trenching and sampling, and 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 you felt every couple of months I talked to them, you just felt that it was going in the right direction. I mean, they were finding what they wanted to find and more. Um, then they did a financing, they started drilling and a news release came out that they found gold without the essays yet, but they had to issue a news release that what they found that they thought it was prudent to share that with the market. This was followed by another placement with only a couple of participants, which was, I found it quite interesting because why race right now? Maybe some people still need to be positioned. And then in January, I just felt that things were going in the right direction. The essays came out, and um, it was a big discovery. So sometimes just knowing a company well enough and follow them um, makes you see things that other people do not see. And so I already owned Azimuth, but I bought some more in December, a month before the discovery, without anybody telling me anything else than what I read in the, in the news release. But just the way it was written, just the way it was announced, I found it, um, I, I thought it was a good risk reward at that point to increase my position. So another another example where knowing people, doing your work, really understanding it already for a number of years, and then you notice a difference. And sometimes that may help you in deciding to increase your position a bit.
0: And then after the discovery, how did you play it? Did you trim immediately or because you had such conviction, did you have the courage to hold whole position? Yeah,
1: I think after discovery, the first, let's say, I I always think, how long will it take before the next essays come out? Sometimes that takes a week, but more often it takes two or three weeks. And in those first one, two, three weeks, there's not so much that the market can be um, scared about because everybody's still in euphoria about the, the drill holes. Everybody's speculating how big it can be. It's just one big positive show. So in those days, it's not really risky. To just hang on to shares uh, and then you just look at how far it goes uh with, with azimuth it, it went to two dollar i think i sold a little bit at two dollar i think but i held most of it but when it went to two fifty three dollar i don't really know anymore when that happened if that was two weeks later or two months later i felt it was getting a little bit too much uh, and i sold um probably 75 percent of my position and 25 i i kept in place because i still think up to today, they have a discovery. But things take longer, and then the excitement is gone, and people think, okay, these grades are not good enough. And people start to become skeptical. I still think they, they may have a big discovery, uh, but sometimes the market will take a year or something before they really look at it again. Like, same with Greatlands uh, goals in Australia. I mean, they announced this first drill hole in 2018, I think. It took a year before it started moving from one penny to... 25 so there was a a year of almost nothing in between and only after a year the market really stepped into it sometimes it takes a bit of time before really people recognize it
0: Uh, regarding this last year 2020 would you be willing to share your biggest loser or at least uh, the biggest thing you learned uh, from a mistake you made in the past year
1: um This year was so good that I cannot really remember. Of course, I made mistakes. Um, I think what I did wrong is um, in March, I was super lucky that I had my options and that I could just go all in um, at the bottom and make a lot of money very quickly. And then, of course, you feel good and you get more and more confidence. So I invested more and more and, and some of the bigger ones already moved. I sold them and then bought smaller stocks and they also went up. So everything worked up to... August, and I continued doing the same thing, and that's and the, the, my returns didn't really go up again anymore because the the hype was over a little bit, P- things were just sideways, and I tried to continue the same thing I did between March and june, and i I would have been would have been smarter to just wait a little bit and maybe sell something uh, but i didn't really lose a lot of money, but I lost some money there by trying to chase things and trying to being too eager to make more money, I think, uh, that's the biggest mistake I think. But I didn't l- lose a lot of money with it. But it's still, I, I still reflect uh, those decisions. I think it was just, just not smart. You know, I was buying things I had no idea about, and that's what I, one of my rules that I, I never want to do. So, even in a bull market, uh, yeah, you just get too excited and you start doing these things.
0: For 2021, is there a stock you're bullish on or you're hoping for a discovery on that you could share with my audience, please?
1: Um, Well, most people that follow me a little bit know that I am in Cartier Resources. I I still think it's one of the best companies that is under the radar. Um, It's 50 million market cap, 38 million EV. Um, Ridiculous. I don't know how long it will take, but it's just ridiculous i, I think personally it's it's worth more than two hundred million, but there are certain things needed to get it there and uh for the moment, the market is not believing it or is skeptical um Adriatic i own um but with many people I think they have a great deposit and great deposits almost always get taken over and if they bring it in production, also fine uh more risky Harfang. Harfang exploration is um, this is risky. They are pure greenfields exploration. They are looking for. Um, they have a, a couple of really nice targets, and they will drill it in the coming year. And if they hit, it's like azimuth. It can go really quickly, but if they miss, then the market will probably forget about this for another year again. Uh, so that's what how these things go. So you have to own a couple of these higher risk ones but not with all your money and um, a couple of less. Re- I mean, Cartier resources is probably a risky re- reward, uh, as good as you get can get it. And then the last one, I think Barksdale is also, um, they have everything. I mean, they have a team that technically sound, market savvy. Um, I mean, they have all the ingredients you need for a co- to make a company work. And um, I think Barksdale could be a real winner in the coming years.
0: So you like investing in Quebec then, I would take it?
1: Well, Barksdale is not Quebec, but I like investing in Quebec, yes. yes. Car- Cartier is, is though, right? Yeah, Cartier is there and Harfang as well. I like Quebec uh, because most people are pretty serious about what they do. Uh, but sometimes Quebec companies are too technical focused and they forget a little bit about the market. And I think promotion is not, a bad, it's not bad at all times. So you, sometimes you need to promote a bit. You need to find the right investors, the right... You no, you need to show the market that also the, the bigger names believe in you. But if, if it's only the retail, then people will always be skeptical. You need some, maybe some celebrity people to give a vote of approval. And then maybe these companies finally take off.
0: Luke, on a personal note, you mentioned that you really enjoy doing what you're doing and that's a key to success. but what's your goal with your mining stock speculation? Is it personal financial freedom so you can walk away from your job? Um, you know share a little bit more here on the personal side, please
1: Yeah, I have no end point inside that I say at this uh, if I make so much money then I will stop because I enjoy this too much and I also enjoy my, uh, my, my full-time job still um, I've considered doing this on a full-time basis, but I also like to be. Um, I live in the Netherlands, in the eastern part of the Netherlands. There's nobody looking in, into investing here, especially not in the miners. So if I'm going to sit here all day long behind my computer, there's nobody to talk about uh, this this stuff other than over the phone. So I, my world will become really small. That's why I prefer to be also in other businesses here um, as a full-time job in the oil and gas because that gives me this this social. Uh, Lot of social enjoyment. Um, but my, my goal is to have a lot of fun and in the process make a lot of money.
0: Excellent. And for the investors listening to us, where can they follow you?
1: Uh, I don't really have a website, but they can find me on ceo.ca uh, under the tag at luke ten half and Twitter the same thing L U C T E N H A V E.
0: So no email list yet.
1: Uh, No, no, I don't think I have tried this once or not even tried it. I started a website a couple of years ago. But that's not my type of um, business. I think I'm gonna do this uh, in a private manner or maybe closer to companies, but not in a sort of retail uh, newsletter type thing.
0: Excellent. All right. So I'll put the link to following Luke both on Twitter and at CEO.ca in the show notes. Luke, really appreciate you coming on the show. As I mentioned in the introduction, you come highly recommended. And this was a very insightful discussion. So thank you very much. Thanks a lot.